Welcome to the Modern Goat Rider Podcast. The opinions expressed by our hosts and guests are strictly their own and do not represent the positions of any lodge, grand lodge, or other branches of the independent order of Odd Fellows. Our conversations will be open to the public for the purposes of inspiring our global membership and promoting the order. And now, let's continue the journey. Welcome to the Modern Goat Rider Podcast. I'm Billy Sanderson. And I'm Josh Miller. How you doing today, Josh? I'm doing okay. You know, it's a little smoky in Victoria. You know, as Victorians, we don't like that. I was looking at a photo of Ottawa today, and I was jealous. It's like the first time ever I've been jealous of Ontario weather, you know? <laughs> but five days of smoke from the fires, and I know we're not supposed to complain about the smoke because for all those people who are in the fires, it's obviously so much worse but uh, yeah, it's been a little dreary. Yeah. But I'm I'm into um, the modern goat rider always lifts up my spirits, and uh, we gallop away. Well, today was an exceptional episode because we got to record a, a Zoom call with Michael Greenziger and Linnea Bradenberg from California, and they are experts on degrees and ritual. And so they told us a really great story about their taking on the challenge of rewriting a degree. And we know there's a couple, maybe one or two people out there who aren't odd fellows who are listening today. And um, so we can't tell you exactly about degree and ritual. But the way I say it is it's, it's like baseball. For those who understand, you don't have to tell them. But for those who don't understand, you can't. <laughs> Fight club. Right. Don't talk about <laughs> degrees. Number one rule, don't talk about ritual. Well, I hope everyone enjoys this. Uh, we'll just transition over to them, and uh, we're out. We are here with uh, Linnea and Michael, and we're going to talk about degrees. So before we get into the degree uh, ritual and uh, your experience with developing a new version of the initiation, why don't we get a uh, Oddfellows bio on each of you? Uh, I guess I'll start since I joined slightly before Linnea did. Um, so I, I first became an Odd Fellow in 2005 back in Massachusetts. Um, and I was a, a member there uh, for about 10 years until we moved to California. Um, and since then, I've been an Odd Fellow in California. I've gotten um, pretty involved with the Grand Lodge of California. I'm currently the Deputy Grandmaster of this jurisdiction. Um, and uh, ritual has always been like one of the aspects of Odd Fellowship that has most strongly appealed to me and that I've really like made one of the focuses of, of my work in the order. And what lodge are you with now? Oh, Mountain View Lodge number 244, Mountain View, California. Yep. Linnea? Um, let's see. I'm trying to remember what year I joined. Same year. Was it 2005? Yeah. Uh, okay, so I, I joined the order in uh, 2005, Herman Dexter Lodge um, in Dedham, Massachusetts. I um, think that one of the very first things I did, probably within the first three years of joining that lodge, was to get involved with the degree team. 
it was uh, shortly after I had taken all of my degrees and that's how I developed my interest in Oddfellows initiations and rituals. I moved over to uh, the West Coast shortly after Michael did. I was in grad school at the time and I joined Mountain View 244. Cool. And so what brought you originally to join Oddfellows? Hmm. I think that I was interested in Odd Fellowship because I saw opportunities for socialization in a deep and meaningful sense vanishing. I uh, remember that I had tried, you know, joining board game groups and, you know, special, special, sorry, I had tried joining uh, board game groups and special interest, interest groups, um, but they weren't really satisfying. The membership was very transient. People weren't committed to it. And I think what I really hoped for was uh, a group that everybody cared about and a group where, you know, people would stick around long enough to develop those meaningful relationships. And I definitely got that. And why Odd Fellowship? Like, how did you find Odd Fellows as, uh, rather than another um, fraternal organization or some other organization? What Was it just accidental or? No, so... Michael did join uh, shortly before me, and he was turned on to the lodge by friends of his that he met through masonry. The difference between Odd Fellowship and other fraternal orders that were available to me at that time was the equal role that women were allowed to play. There's uh, certainly other organizations that are, that are women only, but they tend to be a watered-down version of whatever men's group they're associated with, which... It, it felt it felt like the ritual equivalent of kindergarten, and I, I didn't it didn't appeal to me at all. The idea that it was a co-ed lodge, something my husband and I could do together, was definitely a major selling feature for me. And what's your backstory on the same topic, Michael? Well, it's obviously closely related to that one. So, as Linnea mentioned, I was uh, involved with masonry first, and my reason for joining masonry um, was a my my interest in ritual and ceremony, but just be kind of my interest in, you know, making some more friends. Um, and I, I did make a lot of local friends in masonry, but one of the things they told me early on is like, hey, we've also got this Oddfellows Lodge around the corner. And like, it's, it's you know, down to five members. We're, you know, on the verge of selling the building. We could really use your help in this Oddfellows Lodge. So I said, okay, you know, I'll give that a shot. And what ended up happening was I got so involved with the Oddfellows Lodge that I actually got much less involved with the Masons and kind of mostly transferred over, primarily because the Oddfellows needed me more. Mm. I kind of want to add to that. Um, one of the appealing things about Oddfellowship is, I mean, fraternalism everywhere uh, was suffering from a period where it was just sort of rapidly shrinking. And Oddfellowship was an environment where people were more open to things that they could do to save the membership and to make it relevant to a younger generation. Whereas, you know, if Michael had joined, or perhaps you did, perhaps you, you tried, you know, doing something within the context of masonry, there's a lot more resistance because it's like Microsoft too big to fail, or at least it was at the time. Mm -hmm. So then you left that lodge and you guys moved to California. And what um, was, was it a vast difference in, uh, culture from that yeah. lodge to the California lodge is a, a bigger lodge, obviously uh, more membership. Well, how, how was that transfer? So my recollection is that it wasn't a bigger lodge that we joined. I think that the, the at the time we joined Mountain View, 
244, it was actually a smaller lodge than the lodge we had come from, um, in no small part because we had put so much work into building that lodge up before we left. So it was, it was a little bit like starting all over again in, in some ways. There are definitely cultural differences between uh, Odd Fellowship in different states, though. People who haven't really been involved in more than one jurisdiction don't necessarily realize this, but there can actually be really substantial differences in, in some of the customs and even aspects of the ritual. Not everything, as I'm sure you know, is written in the Red Book. Certain parts, we just sort of fill in the details, and those little details can be quite different from one jurisdiction to the next. Yeah, there's a sort of a, I don't want to say a flair, or there's a flexibility that gives the lodges a bit of flair when it comes to performing, filling in those gaps. And, and if you have a good performance crew, that, uh, cast, then it really shows uh, how different it can be and unique to your lodge. So one last thing on maybe on the area you're in now. So what is... What is Odd Fellowship kind of around your area uh, as a success story or does it need some help? I think it's a big success story. I would definitely agree with that. Um, what seems to be really working well for the lodges in our area is forming partnerships with other sort of um, nonprofits or interest groups mm -hmm. um, that are compatible with our mission. Um, and we've actually found that to be a very effective way to grow lodges in, in general, to find people that are kind of already involved in groups and sort of adopt them if they have compatible missions. Um, so that's, that's really what's working very well right now in the Silicon Valley area of California where we live. Right on. So how big is your lodge right now? I would say maybe about 20. In, does that sound about right? For Mountain View. Yeah, yeah tw 20 plus in Mountain View. I'm thinking about Cupertino. Cupertino formed a relationship with a Hawaiian group. I think they may actually be a bigger lodge than Mountain View at this point in time. Yeah, we actually belong to two different lodges, Mountain View number 244 and Cupertino number 70, a couple towns away. So uh, ritual and uh, degrees. I'm not sure how um, in depth we're going to get here because obviously there's a, you know, a portion of the audience that might not know you know, all of our secrets and uh, we can't reveal them to them. But um, tell me about your degrees and the ritual that you guys perform in a you know, and what that means to you guys and um, how it's been changing over the last little while, I guess, you know, what you guys, what you guys see for the future, maybe. Sorry, I just want to make sure I understand your question. You're asking about the ritual that we wrote specifically or our views on ritual in general? Well, let's, let's start out with in general. Just what the, yeah, what the ritual means to you guys um, as it has been performed for the last couple hundred years. And then, and then we'll get into sort of changes and what's going to happen uh, going forward. I think that the initiatory degree is particularly important because it is an opportunity to inculcate new members with the values of our order. You can, you know, if you, there's, there's an informal version of everything, you know, there's such a thing as common law marriage. People can just live together and have kids and they can call themselves married, but there's a certain satisfaction that comes with solemnizing it in a ritual. And it's an opportunity to really get centered and to, you know, speak out loud those facets of that transition that are really important and impactful and to remind yourself about what it means. And I think that the initiatory degree 
is similar in that, yeah, sure, you know, it might be possible for people to just become odd fellows and show up to the club, but the opportunity to speak out loud those values that are specific to odd fellowship is really important. And it solemnizes uh, the, the event of becoming an odd fellow in a way that um, makes the entire transition much more impactful. I love the initiatory degree. It's one of my favorite things um, to perform. And it's always, uh, you know, we try and make it a little uh, spooky and a little um, <laughs> a little intense and a little fun. You know, like it's, it's kind of our, you know, there's something about it. But, you know, when you're bringing someone into the order, they need to know how serious this is. And usually, hopefully with the initiatory degree that we perform, um, they do feel that. And to just pick up on that for the performers, it should be fun. Like we should enjoy what we're doing and get a, I don't know, get, get a charge out of it, relearn the lesson and, and listen to it again. Uh, I think that's really, really cool for us. Yeah. What I've, what I've often found in, in a lot of different groups that use ritual actually is that it's always the people who are on the ritual team who have like the deepest understanding of like what the order is about, what the, what the rituals mean. Cause that is expressed through the rituals. Uh, so like getting involved and putting on the degrees, I think is really the best way to like deepen one's involvement with what odd fellowship is fundamentally at its core. Uh, so my question was, was going to be a bit of a story. So when we did a uh, symbolism class, we were showing that the ritual for initiation in 1870, when our lodge was opened, uh, they performed it 13 times that year out of 52 meetings. Wow. And the point made was maybe there was one or two candidates, but the people who did attend, if it, we do not understand, we don't believe it was a degree team. We believe it was the regular lodge. They would have seen the performance over and over again. And so when when we present or announce that we're going to have initiation on this day, we want everyone to come because it's important to everybody who's there. So I'm echo echoing Michael and, uh, and Linnea's point that it's really important for the members and the performers to be part of it and not just, it's not just for the candidate. Right. Yeah, and I, I think uh, like going to the lodge specifically to watch the ritual was also a huge thing in the 19th century. Some of the histories that I've read indicate, of course, that the lodges would meet even more frequently than we do now, often once a week. Um, and what, what I read was the really big draw, actually, was that people wanted to come and see the ritual. Like that was what really got people to come to the lodge every week. Then they would do an initiatory degree every week in many lodges. That was very common. We uncovered a trophy that was a, uh, I guess, a, a lodge championship trophy for performing degrees. Have you ever seen anything like that in your area? Columbia too had won it a couple times in a row in 1911 and 1912. I've never seen that before. No. It's a really cool idea though. <laughs> yeah. Um, so can we talk about your uh, experience with the initiatory degree and taking it, I guess what I'm referring to as sort of modernizing it, but taking it and, and giving it a refresh in 2016, 2014 range. Is that a correct time? 
So we wrote the degree probably around 2015 through 2016. It was submitted to Sovereign Grand Lodge in 2016 and then was approved by the representatives at the 2017 session in St. Louis, Missouri. And what was the process like going through that? So take us, I'm willing to go right to the start. So when what? you decided to do it, why, yeah, why did you urge you to do that? So this, this project originated with me. Uh, I'd been, uh, I'd been reading through some of the older rituals, not like the really older ones, but just maybe slightly older from like the early uh, 20th century. And I discovered that the initiatory degree actually used to be a lot better than it was in the, the 2003 or so version that we had been using when we first joined Odd Fellowship. Uh, like it had much more poetic language. It was much more dramatically written. And what I eventually discovered was that there was a, a major revision made sometime around the 70s where they kind of dumbed it down substantially. They took out all the poetry and the drama, um, but uh, that, that really convinced me to start looking further into this. And I started trying to get my hands on older and older versions of the initiatory degree specifically. And uh, I eventually managed to get a hold of a number of them going all the way back to 1797. And I discovered there was all this amazing material in the older degrees that was just no longer there stuff that was fundamental to our symbolism that we don't even really talk about anymore, although we brought some of it back in our version. There was some really crazy stuff in that, was it the 1797? The 1797 degree had some really crazy symbolism in it that we actually don't use anymore, but um, it, talking about the sun and the moon and like how the noble grand was the sun and the vice grand was the moon and um, it's not relevant to the way we practice Odd Fellowship anymore, but it's, it's really different. And that was, um, I think that's one of the things that piqued my interest. So eventually, like, since I had learned all this stuff about the history, I sort of decided, well, you know, the rituals used to be really good and I think we can make them really good again. Like we don't, we don't have to leave them in this 1970s version where it's, it had all the poetry removed. So that, that became really important to me to fix that. And I don't think I would have ever believed that I could actually get that done if I hadn't met um, past Sovereign Grand Master Jimmy Humphrey, who at the time was the, um, the deputy Sovereign Grand Master, and he visited California, and I got to meet him there. Um, and, I, and I talked to him about this, and he was very, very supportive of what I wanted to do. So that's what caused it to really become like a serious project in my mind. So I, I took all of these rituals um, that I was able to get my hands on. And uh, essentially, I, I went through a process where I divided the initiatory degree into each of its constituent uh, stages. Like you can imagine it as the candidate going through a series of stages where different lessons are being presented to them. So I went through it one stage at a time. And for each stage, I compared every single version of the initiatory degree going back to 1797 that I could get my hands on so I could determine what I thought was like the core message of that part of the degree. And after doing all this research, we then basically set 
to write a new version uh, of each of these sections, which would take the best out of all the different historical versions, restore a lot of this old symbolism that was lost. But at the same time, we also tried to give it sort of a, a, a little bit of a contemporary flair. And Linnea was extremely instrumental in adding those parts in particular to try to make the rituals speak a little bit more to uh, millennial and other younger generations. Yeah, and if I can talk on that for a second. So one of the things that we discussed was that, you know, we were dealing with a new generation that had kind of um, a really hazy, ambiguous transition into adulthood, where you had people who in previous generations would have been clearly adults still living with their parents, where, you know, in previous generations, a person that age would already have a well-established profession, would already have a family, in this generation, not so much, but yet we would look at that person and say that's obviously an adult. Um, another, another theme that was kind of afflicting them or that they talked about a lot was this kind of idea of like, how do I know when, you know, how do I know, how do I take responsibility for myself? Maybe that's not the, quite the right word for it, but like, you know, what's under my control and what's not. Mm. Um, that, if I were, that's probably a better way of saying it, um, that this, this was a, a group of people who is asking themselves, what can be under my control? What is not under my control? And how do I act as an adult with agency in this world? And so um, when um, I was writing some of the charges, that was definitely in the background. It's amazing. I, I, first, I just wanna say thank you guys um, for, for the work that you're doing. Um, I know that when I first joined, you know, you look, you get your red book and you think that these words are, um, they're chiseled in stone and, you know, or you think that um, these words are the same words that came from uh, 200 years ago. And, and then as you, as you learn that um, things have been changed and had dumbed down in the, in, in the ways that you say, it's so uh, inspirational to see that people are taking control of this and bringing back some of um, the old stuff as well as making it, you know, open to, to younger and uh, newer generations. So it's a, thank you for the work you're doing. And we've, we've performed the initiatory degree. Yeah. We've done it twice and in uh, our lodge in and, our lodge. And it was awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. We love it. Thanks. Thank you so much. That's incredibly gratifying to hear. We won't, the secret part stays in it, but I, one of the things I like more about this version compared to the one I was initiated under was that the audience participation that we were able to encourage um, was a big difference from the previous performance I had been uh, initiated under. And, and I, we had 80 people the first night we did it in mm -hmm. our hall and everybody had a book and it was great. It was, it was awesome. It was great. We just, uh, we, we really kind of gave everyone a, a great feeling of, of something new. And then uh, the other lodges kept doing the old ritual. But this past year, 2019, I guess, um, was, uh, would have been our second time doing it. Uh, they picked it up and they uh, were all over it. Mm -hmm. Like they were, they're just, even the, the most traditional group of uh in victoria one they're very into the new version nice and you know th that doesn't really surprise me that the more traditional lodges was would like it because we took an incredibly traditional approach 
-hmm. if anything, our ritual is more like it would have been a hundred years ago uh, than, you know, any of the other rituals done in the last hundred years. Mm -hmm. So you say that, you know, the support of uh, Brother Humphreys was the one that gave you uh, whatever the, the, the step forward on this. Did you feel that at any point you had opposition or resistance? We really didn't encounter a, a large amount of, um, of resistance to what we were doing once we got started. In fact, I'm, I'm almost a little bit amazed at how smoothly it went. Essentially, we, we wrote the, the draft for the ritual. Uh, we, we ran it by Jimmy. We got some feedback. Um, and then once we all mutually decided that it was ready to go, he, he helped submit it to Sovereign Grand Lodge because neither Lenan nor I are grand reps. So we, we, of course, have no standing to submit a ritual to Sovereign Grand Lodge. Um, and in fact, it has to be endorsed, I believe, by grand reps from three different jurisdictions. So uh, Jimmy took care of that like entire angle of it, of, of getting, it, um, getting it submitted by three jurisdictions. And then uh, the following year in 2017, when it came up for a vote, um, Linnea and I actually traveled to the Sovereign Grand Lodge sessions in Missouri to, uh, to meet with the ritual committee and to explain to them what this, you know, large new ritual we just dropped on their desk, which was probably actually the most major change in the initiatory in well over a hundred years. I have to say that in that process, there was, um, Brother Chester LaPointe was actually invaluable in helping us in a really succinct way explain what the value was of the work that we were doing. Um, if you ever need an elevator pitch, I can heartily recommend his services. And he's a, he's a past grandmaster from the jurisdiction of New Hampshire. I think the way that you guys did it made it, um, you know, acceptable. You know, I mean, it was like you were drawing from the past and you're pushing to the future with complete respect and honor and understanding of, of what's gone on over the last couple hundred years. I think it's if people try to change things and they're going and they're, they're straying from tradition, you know, that's when people are going to get their backs up, but you guys were embracing it, you know, and also pushing it forward. So hats off, you know, there should, there, these are the kind of changes we need. And these are the kind, and I, you know, it's, it's inspirational to me to hear that how, how easy it was for you guys. Yeah. Even though you worked very hard and that's obvious, the fact that um, the order was receptive to it, and that you were able to make these changes and, you know, they've traveled all the way up to us in Canada and, you know, we performed them twice. And yeah, that's, I think, I think that's, you know, that's something, there's something to be said about our order and the future of our order because of the process that you went through and how it was adopted. So I think that's amazing. There, there was actually one step in the process that was a little bit challenging, but fortunately we did find a creative solution. Uh, the basic process that a, a ritual goes through when, it, uh, when it's approved by Sovereign Grand Lodge is that uh, first, of course, as I mentioned before, you submit it, then it holds over a year, then the ritual committee reports on it, and then the body votes on it. That's the basic process. But there's one more step that has to happen before it becomes official, and that's that it has to be published. Normally, that publishing would happen in the Red Book, so the charge book. So as soon as we, um, as soon as we got the vote done, 
I think maybe we went and somebody asked uh, Sovereign Grand Secretary Terry Barrett, okay, like, you know, what happens next? And we learned that the ritual would not become official until uh, the next revision of the Red Book, whenever that would be. And usually we only reprint those books when we've run out of the inventory of the old ones. So this can delay ritual releases by decades, potentially. I've, I've heard there was a Theta Row ritual that's been delayed for more than 10 years um, just because they haven't had to reprint the books yet. <laughs> so we, we had that problem too, but we found fortunately a creative solution for that, which is we, uh, we worked together. I, this may have been with, uh, with uh, Brother LaPointe as well. Mm -hmm. uh, we worked together to get a resolution written uh, to be submitted to Sovereign Grand Lodge to publish this new initiatory degree electronically. <laughs> wow. um, and the way, the way that happened was basically that uh, uh, the Sovereign Grand Secretary would then send copies, of, electronic copies of this ritual to each of the grand secretaries of the various jurisdictions. And then those grand secretaries would be responsible for distributing it within their jurisdiction. So that did check off the box of getting it published. But what I've noticed is that I think most uh, grand secretaries just sat on it and actually didn't give it out to their lodges. Uh, we had to ask our grand secretary in California to distribute it because we wanted to start using it too. And I think that happened in a few other jurisdictions where people had to go to the grand secretary and say, hey, we heard you have this new ritual, can we have it? So there is still a little bit of a disconnect there and uh, not everybody all over the world in Odd Fellowship knows about this new degree because not every jurisdiction has really put it out there front and center. Yeah, and that's exactly the story I was going to tell about how I was connected with you, Michael, was I got an email from Brother Atchison, and he said, look at this. And I had just, I was the conductor of the year, the last year we did the old one. And I attached were two PDFs of, uh, from you that had made their way to uh, Brother Atchison. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is phenomenal. And we started kind of asking enough questions. Grand Secretary had no idea about it. The Grand Secretary we have now, uh, Sister Becky, she discovered it basically because I was pushing and other lodges in Vancouver were pushing that, hey, we sh this exists and, and we should move to it. In that email, the second PDF that I received was a short version, a short form version of the initiatory degree. Uh, so what's the story on that one? So Jim, Brother Jimmy Humphrey, um, actually asked for a short form of the degree. And I had an inspiration, and I know that there are fraternal orders that do what's called table lodges, where rather than just talking heads, uh, giving, talking from podiums, they actually, they do toasts, and it's done over a dinner. And, you know, certainly you've seen a, a, a light version of this uh, in the form of you know, your table lodge installations that we sometimes see in Odd Fellowship. Uh, but, you know, the, the toasting seemed like a super fun idea. So um, I worked up a script where that was, that was the business end of it, where toasting was the business end of it. And uh, because 
it was, it had to be a short form. I had kind of had to ask myself, okay, well, what, what is the most important thing from each charge? How do I distill the message as much as possible? And Michael can tell you that uh, distilling stuff can be really rather a challenge for me. Um, so <laughs> um, I, did, I did the best I could with it. And I think, Michael, I don't know how many edits you made. I don't remember how many edits, but uh, the way our writing process usually works is like one of us will be sort of the lead author on something and then the other person will edit their work. It's, it's, uh, it's like a, a paired writing team like Lennon-McCartney or something, but we, uh, we, we both kind of publish them together, but like she gets rid of all the excesses in my writing and I get rid of all the excesses in hers basically. Yeah, and sometimes we'll bounce back and forth a couple times, and um, certainly there's lots of discussions over, over wording and do we really need the sentence? Does that really add anything? Can we take that out? Um, we do that to each other constantly. So, um, and yeah. how's, the, how's the adoption or the acceptance of the short form gone? Have you, you seen it performed? So, yeah, I have. I've seen it performed in a couple different lodges. The, it's really gratifying. People really seem to enjoy it. Uh, it's, it's really caught on with specifically those members of Odd Fellowship in California who were advocating for doing away with degree ritual work entirely, which is, um, that's huge for me. That's like, um, it's gotten them back into the ritual and the message of, of Odd Fellowship. And I think because it's so much more social for them and they can make such a social occasion out of it, and that's what got them back into it. We essentially wrote it to be a ritual that even people who don't like ritual would like. That, that was like part of the concept. Yeah. I just have problem with people who don't like ritual. You know, well, I have yeah. this problem with that. You know, it's like, what, what are we doing here? If we don't, if we're not doing the rituals, like, um, you know, I'm okay with short form. You know, I mean, that's, I think that's pretty neat. And, um, but people who just want to do away with ritual and just be odd fellows, it just, it doesn't make sense to me. And that's, and that's just me. One thing I do want to say is even though it's a short form, it's still symbolically complete. We made sure it retained all of the same symbolic elements that were present in the full length version. Because even people who aren't really into the ritual aspect still deserve to learn the message of Odd Fellowship. Well, they should if they're going to become Odd Fellows. <laughs> so I think I actually, I have a little bit of empathy for, for the people who don't like ritual. I think I understand why. Obviously, I'm a ritualist. I love ritual, love writing ritual, love performing ritual, love being on degree teams, but it is a lot of work. And I don't know if you have ever, um, you know, done a cold reading of a script you were completely unfamiliar with. And, you know, it, that's not an experience that you want to have in front of an audience. You know, if you're opening up a script you're completely unfamiliar with and you're just going to try to read the lines cold, you don't want to be doing that in front of an audience and you especially don't want to be doing that in front of brand new people who are just joining. Uh, when I was DDGM, I, I witnessed a, a version of the initiatory degree that was being done by, you know, a lodge and they had, they were doing the initiation because they had to bring new members in and it was required that they do the initiation, but they hadn't practiced at all. And you know, by about midway through it, they were embarrassed and they were exhausted and they just wanted to stop. 
And I don't think that people have enough guidance or have enough leadership in terms of how do I go about putting together a degree team? How much rehearsal do I need? What's the process from taking it from the raw script to you know, a finished product that we're all going to enjoy and get something out of? I mean, I have the benefit of a theater background, they don't. And uh, you know, for some people, I think just even, even if they know what to do, it can seem really intimidating. That's an interesting angle. I, I wasn't even, I, I was such a hammer on the table kind of, well, we have to do it. So figure it out folks. Mm -hmm. And uh, well, we've done right. it. Well, I mean, we've done it where um, it's been cold and it's been um, unrehearsed and it's been challenging, but I've never been embarrassed about it, you know, and I've now always took pride in what we were, what we were presenting to these new, these new people because they, they got to do something to get into this order. You have to sit through this. You got to, you have to sacrifice. You need to, you know, I'm not just going to show you all my secrets and then, you know, and then for, for nothing, you know, you have to, you, you have to be a part of this. I mean, we've had, we've initiated, you know, 15 candidates a year for the last, you know, I don't know how many years, five, five years. I mean, it was so hot one time we had a guy fainting just before he uh, signed the book because there were so many, there were so many guys in front of him signing the book. Anyways, what I'm saying is that, yeah, I, I understand that. And, and, you know, I would love to sit over a table and do toast. I, I think it's amazing. It's so great. But I also really, I enjoy the theater of it myself, even if the rest of um, the guys are not, <laughs> they're not exactly actors or able to read scripts or able to read um, or perform out loud. Um, as well as I am, I think, you know, we get a lot out of it. I think that, you know, to, to that point, though, um, if what you want to see is more lodges taking this seriously, more lodges doing the degree, offering mentorship may be just the kick in the pants that certain people need. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it, it strengthens the argument for degree lodge, it, for a regular yeah. cast, and as uh, I guess I said in the last show where brother Stephen Coulson is, they're practicing over Zoom. They're putting together their people who are totally motivated to get really good and stop looking at a book. And so the practicing whenever they can instead of just the week before in the hall. Right. Okay, so that brings me to kind of the future. Uh, do you guys have plans for more work? Well, we actually have one more set of work that we uh, submitted two years ago that should have come up for a vote this past Sovereign Grand Lodge, but of course we didn't have a session. Otherwise, we would have traveled there to talk to the ritual committee again. But uh, you can't do like such a major revision to a ritual without making a few mistakes. Like we didn't get absolutely everything right. And we also, as more lodges started doing the new degrees, we, we got some feedback, we learned a little bit more. So we basically put together an initial revision of the one that, that we had done already. So that's the next thing we have in the pipeline. It, it fixes a few little mistakes we made and makes some other improvements that we got from feedback. So that's, that's sort of the next step and hopefully we'll vote on that next summer. Beyond that, um, a, a number of people have actually asked us, well, when are you guys going to revise the other degrees? I I've been taking sort of a, a wait and see attitude on that, actually, because 
I, I know that um, Sovereign Grand Lodge has a lot of plans right now to consolidate branches, to kind of shift the ritual structure of the order, potentially in very substantial ways. So I, I, I kind of want to see where that falls out before deciding what to work on next. I think maybe my dream would be like, I get a phone call from the, the, the chair of the ritualistic works committee saying, hey, this is the new structure. Can you fix all the degrees to work in it? I'd be like, yeah, that's perfect. Sign me up. But I'm probably actually not going to get that phone call. So I'm going to have to keep tabs on what they're doing, I guess. Are you worried about doing work and then it not being adopted or things changing and then it, it all be for naught? In, in the long run, I don't know that we really know what degrees there are going to be actually based on some of the discussions currently going on at, um, at Sovereign Grand Lodge. I know the opinion has been expressed in at least some circles that the, the initiatory should really just be the Odd Fellows degree and everything else is kind of accessory to that and perhaps not so important. Hmm. Sad. Now, obviously, I hope it doesn't go to that extreme. Um, I think a lot of these things, like I said, are still very much up in the air. So in the meantime, do you hear of lodges that are taking degrees and performing them, trying to improve them in their own ways or? Yeah, definitely. So um, one of the things that I'm seeing right now in uh, one of the lodges in our district is there is a group of young people who are intensely interested in the first degree. Um, they, they see a lot in it. Um, they love the story. They absolutely love all of the symbolism, but they, they feel that a lot of the story gets lost in the archaic wording that there's, there's a really moving story here that they really want to bring out. And so, yeah, they're, um, there's a lot of stuff that they're doing uh, to, you know, with, with props, um, with maybe playing a little fast and loose with the lines, um, not for the purpose of changing the message in any way, shape or form, but just so that the wording doesn't obscure the message. So, I mean, there's, there's that. We're also doing a socially distant version of it in my backyard, so there's that. Well, hold on. I, one thing you might want to correct from before, Linnea, is when, when you were telling about the first degree team, it was our lodge, right? You said a different lodge in the district. I think you misspoke on that. Oh, yeah. I, so you did. Might want to redo I, said, a little I think part I said a lodge in our district. Yeah, I think that's what you said. But it was you are actually were speaking about our lodge's first degree team, correct? Yeah, no, I, I was. Nice. We, had a, we have a lodge in Victoria um, that is a 100% female Oddfellows Lodge. And they did the first degree with some changes, but just the names. So instead of male roles, everybody had a female name. Oh, yeah. And, we, and, and that was pretty neat. I yeah. thought that was amazing. Yeah, we just, uh, we did a little, myself and the, uh, the conductor at the time did a little edit with uh, taking Hebrew names and converting them in their gender. And then just re, just added it all through. Just cop, you know, find, replace. Yeah. Yeah, even if those sort of like, you know, minor changes done sort of for the good of the order, like they're, they're probably not technically allowed. I think we're required to do what's in the red book, but like I don't hold it against people when they make like little little changes like that that don't change the meaning and that, that they're trying to do for the good of the order. Um, I think that's like a very different situation than, you know, when people are just making like wholesale 
major revisions without any authorization. I think that's what's the bigger problem. You know, uh, changing a word here or there so that people can understand it better in their particular audience. I don't really have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with that. I have problems with people omitting sections <laughs> because <laughs> they don't agree with it, right? Like that just, there's just like, yeah, what, what are we doing here? Why are we even here? My understanding of Oddfellow's uh, laws essentially is that if you, if you are off book, you do not have to be word perfect. Mm -hmm. And so when people came asking me about that, they're like, yeah, we really want to like change the language. And I said to them, and these are the only things I said to them, if you are off book, you do not need to be word perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but can we change this? We, if you are off book, you <laughs> yeah. do not need to be word perfect. <laughs> Read between the lines, man. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's a good, that's a good reason to be, get off book, you know? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Wrong motivation, yeah. Yeah. So they're off book. So they're off book. Good <laughs> right. for them. So I have some questions about kind of today and nowadays, because I received a text message uh, right before this phone call from a member of a Victoria Lodge, uh, a lodge here in Victoria asking, what do we know about people in lodges performing in COVID times? And I said, well, I see on Facebook that lodges are still performing uh, in uh, degrees. And so it's happening. Um, you would make the assumption that they were meeting all the guidelines and doing things right for their building and for their membership and so forth. But what are you hearing about COVID versions of degrees? Um, yeah, so the first degree team that I'm a part of with Mountain View Lodge, what we are doing is we're reducing the risk by doing the degree outdoors. Um, we are reducing the risk by uh, wearing cloth gloves during the degree. We are reducing the risk of spread by wearing masks. I'm going to paste a beard to mine because I'm playing the king, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> we are, we're reducing the spread by, by keeping the overall number of attendees low. And so we've got a, a strict cap on how many people can be there. And, uh, you know, that for at least for the, the that follows all of the guidelines um, that we have for our county. So we should be good. What if your neighbor is listening over the fence and finds out some of our secrets? Because I've been interested in doing, doing some, um, you know, possibly a degree outdoors. But we're looking at finding a very secluded, uh, private farm country area where no one will be, will have the conductors circling the area to make sure that no non-members uh, even come within earshot of our, uh, our degree possibly. But those sound like, I mean, that sounds good. You know what I mean? It's possible. The group in Vancouver uh, said in their email that they were looking at a way to perform it in a graveyard at midnight, the it. initiation. Yes. And I thought, well, that's <laughs> awesome. But what are you going to tell the police? When <laughs> I assume they're going to get permission first. Like, no, they're just going to show up. Well, back in the day, you had at least one member oh, on the police force. Oh, yeah. You know, you would want that. That's part of it. Yeah. So what else is going on? You guys have some exciting weather and exciting catastrophes all around you. Yeah. Uh, how's the uh, enthusiasm for Odd Fellowship in these days? I think people are getting tired they're getting tired of zoom mm -hmm. but um for those uh people that i know who are managing to in some way shape or form meet in person they are staying excited mm -hmm. i mean it's it, it is possible to meet in person in socially distant ways 
I know that, uh, again, Mountain View 244 uh, does picnics in the park. They're socially distant picnics. So, um, you know, everybody's got their own blanket and they're all six feet apart, but they're, they're together and they can see each other. And I think that keeps people energized. So they're not necessarily doing meetings um, in the park. They're just having socials. They're, they're having socials in the park. And, you know, and, and as I said, we're, we're, we're meeting twice a month for, um, for degree rehearsals as well, but that's, that's in my backyard. I find the, uh, the lack of charity work or the, the enthusiasm we would get around events is going to be like kind of really exciting to see if it bounces back. Mm. Uh, if that next big event, you, there was just the disc golf, you, you, were, there, one, yeah. you were there on, on Saturday and that had a good turnout I've heard. And yeah, I mean, we, it was good. It was only half the number that we had that we usually have because we're only allowed groups of 50 or less. We, this last year was a hundred people and this year it was 50. So um, it didn't feel exactly the same, but uh, definitely we had, we had the enthusiasm. It was really great to see everybody. It's really hard not to hug everybody when you see them. Um, yeah. It's really hard not to, um, yeah, just do all the, you know, have that, um, that brotherly sisterly love that you're used to. Um, so almost getting together and not being able to do that is kind of, it's, it's, it's sad and it's hard. And it's, if you've had a couple of beers, it's even harder and I get <laughs> it, you know, I understand. Um, but yes, I mean, obviously we, you know, uh, I was going to ask you what the demographic of your lodge is and like, do you have many older people who are on Zoom um, or is it mostly younger people who are able to Zoom, Zoom into meetings? So we may be in a slightly special case with that because as I mentioned before, we're in Silicon Valley. Right. So even the older members uh, typically are actually not that bad with the technology. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, we're, we're, we're doing pretty good. We have a uh, very good attendance at our, at our lodges Zoom meetings. Um, it's, it is a little bit trickier to hold a meeting over Zoom and to avoid people talking over each other. It's just a, another skill to pick up. And singing the um, songs is brutal. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah, yeah. I hate that. I, it's like, I'm just like, I, I just mute everybody and just sing myself. Yep. That's <laughs> like, okay, you guys all just listen to me. Okay, I'm going to sing a song. <laughs> uh, so we'll just do a wrap up? Yeah. So thanks very much, uh, Michael and Linnea. It was great to have you here and learning about your lodge and the, uh, the adventure of rewriting a degree and the uh, process that you took with Sovereign Grand Lodge. Thank you very much. Thanks for all your hard work, guys. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having us. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for having us. Take care. Yeah, take care. Bye-bye. Bye.